the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina on Face the Nation over the weekend with Margaret Brennan asked uh, about uh, Biden's forthcoming pick for the Supreme Court and his uh, establishment of a racial litmus test, racial and gender litmus test for that pick, black woman. Uh, And Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, like Jim Clyburn for South Carolina, is a big fan of Michelle Childs, who's a district court judge in South Carolina. And that covers a lot of ground for Biden paying off Jim Clyburn for saving his presidential candidacy in South Carolina while picking, uh, you know, what appears on the face of it as a qualified black female to uh, to nominate for the Breyer vacancy. Um, But nonetheless, whether that person is qualified or not, as we've discussed last week, establishing a race and or gender litmus test for a selection is concerning Here's how Graham reacted. President Reagan promised to nominate a woman, Sandra Day O'Connor. So why is this different? Well, it's not different to me. Um, Put me in the camp of making sure the court and other institutions look like America. You know, we make a real effort as Republicans to recruit women and people of color to make the party look more like America. Affirmative action is picking somebody not as well qualified for past wrongs. Michelle uh, Childs is incredibly qualified. There's no affirmative action component if you pick her. She is highly qualified. And President Reagan said, running for office, that he wanted to put the first female Mm -hmm. on the court. Whether you like it or not, Joe Biden said, I'm going to pick an African-American woman to serve on the Supreme Court. I believe there are plenty of qualified African-American women, conservative and liberal, that could go on to the court. So I don't concede that I don't see Michelle Childs as an act of affirmative action. I do see putting a black woman on the court, making the court more like America. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps a better answer would have been uh, Reagan was wrong when he made that prefatory sta- uh, established that prefatory standard. And Joe Biden is wrong, too, because because the, it is true that there are women qualified and black women qualified to be on the high court. True. You don't need to focus on the fact that they're black women. Just you say the Michelle, process. You, so I know this judge, Michelle Childs, who's a district court judge in South Carolina, she should be on the Supreme Court. Or Joe Biden. I know this judge named Janice Rogers Brown, who should be on the D.C. Circuit Court. Remember Janice Rogers Brown? This is going back uh, 15 years. When she was nominated by Bush for a slot on the D.C. Circuit Court, one Senator Joe Biden not only opposed her nomination, but used the filibuster, which we now understand is racist, 
Right. And as a vestige of slavery or some such argument, whatever the argument du jour is for the position du jour of Chuck Schumer and the Democrat socialists, racist. So Joe Biden used a racist vehicle, according to his party, to block the nomination of a black female named Janice Rogers Brown, ultimately was uh, slotted on, on the D.C. Circuit Court, but to prevent her nomination. And now he's the great champion. He's going to make history. And again, I would it's to Margaret Brennan's, you know, what about ism type of question. Yeah, I, I mean, Reagan was not Jesus Christ. He was a politician. So there are a lot of things I liked about Reagan did, and there are some things I don't, and that was one of them. And by the way, oh, by the way, when you lead with I want to uh, make a political statement, I want to appeal to a political constituency, sometimes you don't get the most qualified person. And Sandra Day O'Connor, in my estimation, maybe our next guest will disagree, pretty mediocre justice, had sort of an on-again, off-again relationship with the Constitution. And you know, made some remarkable statements in important cases like her dicta in the Grutter v. Bollinger case, the University of Michigan discrimination case with respect to admissions that, um, you know, I don't know, didn't sit well with me and shouldn't sit well with originalists. But she talked about, "Ah, it's you know, it's too early to eliminate a race as a factor in college admissions. Maybe 25 years from now we can do it. <laughs> what kind of statement is that from the bench? Uh, but this is the rabbit hole you go down when you play identitarian politics. I don't care who's playing it, including Lindsey Graham, for that matter, because he's, you know, shilling for a, a home state favorite. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by Andy McCarthy. He is a former assistant U.S. attorney in Manhattan, chief assistant U.S. attorney in Manhattan, contributing to National Review, author of the bestseller Ball of Collusion, the plot to rig an election and destroy a presidency. Andy, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Happy Monday. Yes. Um, so what about uh, Lindsey Graham's comments? It's uh, Michelle Childs doesn't need affirmative action, so it's not an affirmative ac- of action selection if she's selected or whoever else, you know, what other, any, any of the other sort of shortlisters are. Well, I'm glad you started with what about and, and Margaret Brennan, because I'm glad to see now that Trump is no longer in office. What about is is back. It's yeah, apparently right. OK now. Um, <laughs> so we can go back to that now. Um, you know, look, I, I I really agree with what you said. I, I think that um, not only was it a mistake for Reagan to do what he did. I mean, you know, it's easy. What are, what are we now? Forty years later. Right. So we're we're uh, uh, trying to recapture what the tenor of the time was, and it was historic to put a woman on the Supreme Court. But by doing that, Reagan, you know, you should always have the uh, the talent pool should always be such that you say uh, that you're going to put the most qualified person on. That's better for the nominee as well as for, yes. the, for the process. I mean, the ineptitude of the Biden administration here is the staggering thing. All he needed to say was that he was going to choose the best qualified person then wait a respectable amount of time after Breyer retired and then put a black woman on, right? Because then that would be better for the nominee. It would be better for the process. We wouldn't be having these conversations. He could have done the same thing and handled it much better. Um, But, you know, look, I don't think it was right when Reagan did it. And I think he ended up getting a justice who was not in the Reagan 
originalist mode. So, you know, at that time, if he had picked Scalia first, or even if he had picked, um, if he had, if he had made his first pick Bork, uh, maybe Bork would have gotten through the first time uh, in a way that he didn't uh, years later. But what Reagan ended up with was both Kennedy and O'Connor, and they really were not Reagan-type originalist judges. So with O'Connor in particular, I think because he decided he had to have a woman rather than, you know, the best justice he could have picked, uh, history turned out to be probably uh, to have unfolded in a way that Reagan would not have approved of. And I think in, in Biden's case, you know, there are um, there are obvious, good, strong, progressive judges. I mean, he's obviously going to pick a progressive. They push Breyer out at this moment so that they could get a progressive judge on uh-huh. because they don't really need Republican votes right now to do it. Uh, he could have picked the best one uh, available. And I think the uh, you know, he's hurt his eventual nominee because no matter what her quality is, people are going to always wonder whether she was picked because of her race uh, as opposed to whether she was the best qualified justice. So I don't I think, think he's it's, done anyone any favors. Yeah, it's demoralizing to the woman, I think. But um, even Americans want 76 percent of Americans want Biden to consider all possible nominees. So by announcing he wants a black woman nominated to the Supreme Court, it's making it a political institution like Congress, don't you think? I do. And Amy, that's why I also think that he's, you know, everybody keeps saying maybe we've talked about this before. So I'm like a broken record. But everybody keeps saying it's, you know, Biden's old. He's lost his fastball. He was this he was this much of a dimwit when he was in his 40s. You know, this is the kind of stuff that he did back then. So this was a layup for the they got Biden aside, a briar rather uh, aside, which is what they wanted. Not because they think briar's done a bad job to the contrary they want a younger briar who will vote the way briar did for the next 30 or 40 years right so all he needed to say was it's an open process i'm going to pick the best person wait a week and then put a black woman on and it would have been fine that's what any competent administration would have done in their political straits and instead they i mean how do you screw this up this is like a layup well and, and if it up and- anyway and to your point, if anybody doesn't think Biden was a dimwit uh, 30 years ago or 50 years ago, um, all you have to do is go back and, and in the, the context of our conversation, look at the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearing where he had that exchange with himself about natural law. And Clarence Thomas had to be an audience member and suffer through that, as recounted in the documentary on Thomas's life created equal. I mean, that's just a tour de force of of dumb, you know. Dumb, dumb ass. Tour de farce. Yes, tour de farce. Tour exactly. de farce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So, um, you know, do you find it problematic at all? You know, Peter Schweitzer, author of Clinton Cash and Secret Empires, he's got this new book out called Red Handed. And he's got uh, seemingly a lot of detail about uh, the Biden family's at least five deals with uh, Chinese communists because you can't do business with big conglomerates in China without by extension, doing business with the Chinese communists that control the country. Five deals with the Chinese communists, totaling $31 million, arranged by individuals with direct ties to Chinese intelligence on the Chinese communist side. I mean, is, is, that, a, is that something that we should talk about? Uh, is that something anybody's interested in that? Is, that? is that problem? Does that compromise our national security? 
Yeah, I, I thought it should have been a major issue in the campaign. Um, the the Hunter Biden stuff was most troubling because of the China angle. Um, and I don't want to say nobody's looked at this because Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson did do a right. report on it. And it's a very interesting report. I mean, people should should look at it. Um, but, you know, there's a lot more evidence of Biden being compromised by the Chinese than there ever was of Trump being compromised by Russia. And contrary to Trump, who was actually, through all his um, excruciating, cringy things that he said about Putin, he was pretty tough policy-wise, his administration was, on the Russians, whereas Biden's been very accommodationist to the Chinese. I mean, one of the stories, Dan, that's not being looked at that I think merits a lot more attention is the Justice Department is quietly getting rid of all these cases that the Biden, that the Trump Justice Department investigated against Chinese operatives in the United States. All of a sudden you're seeing the Biden Justice Department, in the interest of justice, has decided to drop this charge and that charge, and it's being done very quietly. No one's really, the media doesn't seem to care about it. And as you're pointing out, they don't seem to care about this either. And you would hope that the Republicans will make this an issue in the midterm elections. And if they take Congress over and they get the subpoena power again, they should be investigating this aggressively. But I don't see the Democrats in any hurry to do it. Um, before we let you go, I mean, just you know, updating something else that's uh, difficult to get much attention paid, uh, where it's difficult to get much attention paid, that's the Durham investigation. And uh, what, if you have any sort of new handle on where that investigation stands. Yeah, the one thing I would just say is the last thing we heard last week is that there's still an investigation of Sussman, uh, who was the lawyer that uh, Durham indicted uh, a couple of months ago. And what I would just remind people is that, you know, people are scratching their heads saying, why did he indict him if the investigation is still ongoing? And I would just remind people that they indicted Sussman because he was at the end of the statute of limitations and they would have lost the count if they hadn't pulled the trigger then. Uh, so normally it's true that if you're the prosecutor, you don't want to bring the charges until your investigation is done. But if you're in one of these situations where you're brushed up against the statute of limitations, you either have to indict the count or lose it. So he probably indicted earlier than he wanted to, but I think that's still an active live investigation. He is Andy McCarthy, a former chief assistant U.S. attorney in Manhattan, contributing international review, author of the bestseller Ball of Collusion, the plot to rig an election and destroy a presidency. Andy, thanks as always. You guys have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.